Welcome to Quill and Ink, a podcast for book lovers, hosted by Jenna Green and Miranda O. Oh. They will be speaking to authors of many different genres to explore themes around writing and storytelling. Join them for engaging and intellectually stimulating conversation with artists from all corners of the world. Hi, welcome to Quill and Ink. My name is Jenna Green. I'm a YA fantasy author, author of the Imagine series and the Reborn Mark series. With me is Miranda O, oh, a contemporary chiclet author, author of the Chin Up Tits Out series. And she has the privilege and honor of introducing our guest for today. Hi, Miranda. Hello, hello. And as always, I'm super excited to interview our guest today because Miss Anna Stewart has been on our show a few times but we've always had multiple people and so today we get her all to ourselves now miss <laughs> anna j stewart is a usa today and national bestseller author who writes sweet to sexy romance for harlequin <laughs> now she's also a former rwa golden heart nominee now she has just fine finale the daphne du Moray. did i did i no i didn't i i okay. butchered it I phonetically spelt it too, but then when I look at it, I'm like, I don't know what that says. Um, <laughs> now, Daphne du Maurier. Du Maurier. Did I do it now? You know what? Never mind. We're just gonna we're gonna just skip over that. Yeah. We're and we're gonna go back to um, her sweet romance recipe for redemption was turned into a holiday movie for Up TV. Now that is a dream of mine, and I'm sure authors abroad that. Somewhere deep down inside, we wish our books can be turned into a movie. So we're going to get all into that as well today. So welcome, Anna. We're so excited to have you on our show. I'm so glad, glad to be back with you guys. This is fun. You guys are always so much fun to talk to. <laughs> Great. Well, we, it goes both ways, right? We were both, like I said, we actually said the same thing to you before the show started. It was like, man, we get you all to ourselves. And, and that gives us an opportunity to really dive into... Anna J. Stewart, where you all began, and you know, and then let's dive right into that. So, have you always seen yourself as a writer? Is it something that you've always wanted to do? We we're talking about math is not our strong suit before the show. Yeah, boy, is that the truth? Um, I think storytelling has always been a part of me. I don't think the writing bug hit really until high school, but um, uh, I, I, I essentially grew up an only child. Um, I have a half brother that I live with or who lived with us until I was about nine. But um, I was always very much into my own imagination. I can remember acting out made up episodes of Star Trek in my in my room and uh, always had a book with me always because it was the one thing my mother never said no to bookstore, library, used bookstore, whatever. If I wanted a book, I got it. So I think that was a real gift that she gave me. So I think the writing thing probably followed. And I found out years later, actually, that my grandfather, her father, was quite a writer. And my mother actually took a stab at writing, too. Uh, but uh, once she got her first round of criticism back, she stopped and never wrote again. So uh, I think it's in my genes. <laughs> and I found it a little bit by accident um, and by luck. I like that. You know, I think I think all authors at some time it, they realize that storytelling is is a big part of being a successful author, and you you just gotta go with that feeling. And storytelling is awesome. It, it doesn't necessarily have to be pen to paper or fingers to keyboard. It can just be sitting and chatting with your friends and really relinquishing this really cool story. Now. 
how did you get into the romance genre? What what made you kind of first fall in love with the love? Um, well, it kind of happened to me in two different directions. So uh, sophomore year, freshman year or sophomore year in high school, we were taking uh, standardized tests down here in the States is something we do. Don't ask me why we do it. I was horrible at them, mainly because I would I would fill out the scantrons in patterns instead of actually reading the questions, just because I was horrible at multiple choice tests. And um, I wanted something to read when I was done taking the test. Um, and a friend of mine loaned me a, a romance novel, and it was one by Nora Roberts. It was her number 94 from Silhouette Intimate Moments. And from the second I picked up that book, I was just like, where do I get more of these? It like fit everything I'd ever wanted to read in one book. I just loved it. So fortunately, I lived around the corner from a really great used bookstore with an awesome owner who took pity on me and let me take bags of books home every week. And I just bring them back and recycle them for a new bag. And I did that. I did that for years. Wow. Seriously. And around the same time, a group of friends and I started writing what is now known as fan fiction. Uh, but this was in like 85, 84, 85. And we started writing fan fiction featuring ourselves and our favorite rock stars. Um, and everybody else outgrew it and I didn't. It just became an obsession. In fact, they kicked me out. They wanted to kick me out of my school because they thought I had a substance abuse problem. And my mom, my mom went in for the conference and she's all, she doesn't have a substance abuse problem. She's got a book problem. I couldn't get my head out of a book or out of a notebook because I was always writing or always reading. So that's... Um, that's how a writer got birthed in my house. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I have a cousin who is about 12, 13-ish, and she's fluent in French, so also something that we've spoken about before. And every single time you have seen her since she was about six, seven years old, she has a book, she, her nose is in a book. She's read the Harry Potter series twice in two languages, so four times total, once oh, wow. in twice in English and twice in French. And she has gotten in trouble at school and in trouble at home because she just, it, it you, you zone out, you're completely engulfed in your world. And I sat her down when I when I published my second book and I was just like, girl, this like you may be following in these kind of footsteps. So like just do it. If that's what you want to do, just do it. But keep reading now. Like let your brain oh, yeah. sponge up as much as you can and see where it takes you because what's the what's the quote where it's where soon the girl that was reading the books began became the one writing them? Yeah. I always like that nice. quote. I don't I, I don't know who said it, but it's always a beautiful one. I'm going to look it up. That's awesome. Right? I love it. And I think it goes to true to so many of the authors that we interview on this show. It's absolutely fantastic. So now let's change the gears a little bit. What occupies your time when you aren't writing these steamy, hot, beautiful romance stories? <laughs> um, I, I watch a lot of TV. I probably watch a lot more TV than I should watch. <laughs> um, uh, and I have a severe addiction to Netflix and Hulu and I, I watch comfort shows. I watch shows over and over and over. I don't have faith in newer shows, so I don't start a lot of newer shows, um, mainly because I don't trust networks to leave them on long enough to actually get to the meat of the story. So I wait until a show is over and it's completed its run. And if it's gone for more than three seasons, I'll usually invest my time. 
but other than that, yeah, um, I, we are uh, very similar. Yeah, I used to uh, I used to do a lot of dollhouse uh, miniatures projects. Uh, nice. I did that for years. In fact, there's some pictures on my website of some of my projects. And then I kind of I kind of fell out of that. And God help me, this week I bought myself a Cricut machine, and it's one of those in craft cutter machines where you can make all kinds of stuff that of course in my mind I will be able to do immediately and it will all be gorgeous um the learning curve is going to be really steep I think but um so yeah I, I'm usually uh I'm usually trying out a whole bunch of stuff I do I nitpick I get really interested in something and it lasts hopefully this will last a while because this machine was not cheap but um it has a lot of promise and I can use it for making author stuff too. So I don't have to order it all online. I can maybe make some of it myself. So well, yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. much all I do. I write that's and right. I chill. <laughs> Netflix and chill. <laughs> so what has, what, what, what are you binge watching right now on Netflix? I'm always curious. Cause we, it was like the end of the day, I'm like flipping through there and I'm like, I don't know what to watch. <laughs> Um, well, currently, um, we're uh, going through, we're watching Babylon 5 again. In fact, I'm in season five of Babylon 5 right now. So I made it through the death of Marcus again, which always just guts me. And now I'm getting ready to deal with the death of Byron. Gee, why don't these stories ever end happily? I don't know. <laughs> um, but um, the last thing I think I watched on Netflix, you know what I keep watching over and over again is The Great British Bake Off. It is so nice you know it's just it's just so nice there's no conflict it's just is it gonna turn out or isn't it is paul gonna be a dork about what he's gonna say to somebody or not but it's just and everybody wants everybody to succeed mm -hmm. it's just so nice and i crave nice <laughs> because one reason i write sweet romances i i just want everybody to be happy Right? Exactly. Exactly. You know what? I just actually watched The Baking Squad or Bake Squad on Netflix. I think it's a new, new one. And okay. I just happened to like stumble upon it randomly, but it's like four of the top world's bakers and each of them have a very specific niche and they have to basically compete for a random person's event. So this woman of like has six kids, six boys, and she was having a birthday party for two of them. Oh and um, so these four like top tier bakers basically asked her a bunch of questions about the event and about her boys and then had seven hours to make uh, a dessert for their the birthday. And then she got to pick her favorite one and then they redid it for the birthday party. And oh, wow. it was just, they were helping each other out. There was no attitude. And then of course, like you have these scrumptious desserts that look like works of art. And I just sat there and I stared at the TV and my partner looked at me and I was like, this is not normal TV for you. I'm like, but it's happy and it, it's kind happy. of sweet. We're on multiple levels. <laughs> On multiple, yeah, and it's it's non-caloric too because you don't have to eat the cake, right? Right? right. Exactly. But I was thinking about it. I'd be on like uh, Uber Eats or Skip the Dishes. I'd be like, which restaurant has cake? <laughs> nobody wants cool. to know what. No, nobody wants to know what episode of PJ Masks I'm on. No, okay. No. <laughs> I'm a five-year-old. That's what I watch: PJ Masks, Paw Patrol, and something new called Konzumi. 
Oh, mm. wow. we, uh, if I need 20 minutes of like, I need my kid to focus on not me, I put Hey Bear Sensory. I actually learned it on TikTok. So for any new moms that are watching Hey Bear Sensory, it's like vegetables that jump to a tune on on the computer screen or like there was rainbows or there was under the sea and she just sits there and stares. I'm like, do something, do something, do the laundry, do like, I just run around like a crazy person and I can get about 18 minutes before she gets squawky again. When she gets a little older, then you can go through the cocoa melon phase. So, you know, it's all coming. Look at all this teamwork makes a dream work here. (laughs) (laughs) Now, speaking of team, you have cats, Rosie and Sherlock, right? I do. Yes. Oh, pets they're, are they're, like an extension of the family, right? Oh, absolutely. They're, they're currently very irritated with me because I'm trying to get them off of dry food and onto wet food. Oh, yeah. It's not so, happy. so great. They are not happy, which I mean, the dry food is like carbs, right? And then the wet food is your protein. And yeah, yeah. I, Sherlock is tolerating it because she has that kind of personality she's become very much of a little shadow she's my black kitty and but my rosie oh my god that cat came not only with personality she came out with 10 times the attitude she's a tortie and anybody who has uh tortoise cats knows they are bulldozers they are i mean she is solid and you can just tell she has the strangest expressions on her face it's crazy (laughs) cats are extremely extremely animated characters and i've never owned one but i've heard and i've heard stories and kind of seen them make all these noises that you don't even expect a cat to make and you're just like what was that was that was just my cat and you're like doing what it's just what it is it is what it is like they have their they're an entire being all on their own where oh yeah puppies and dogs i've grown up with dogs all my life they they're just like uh, hey i love me love me pet me, love me, pay attention to me, or let me lie on top of you. Like that's, you know, they're happy and they have their own personalities, but there's cats are just a different, different breed, different species, you know. (laughs) Cats are just like, I'm tolerating you. Where's my food? (laughs) My cat's mad at me. I I don't know. Like if anyone's watching this on YouTube, um, I'm not at my house. I'm at my dad's house because we're in the process of trying to sell our house, but we have like nonstop showings. And so instead of putting little Thomas in his little kennel all day we brought him over here and he's like what where's everything everything's in a different spot but he's he's pretty mellow because he you know he's got five-year-old so you know dealing with him but he's pretty mellow but he likes to sit above my chair when i'm writing and then if Mm -hmm. he like disagrees with something i write you hear and then he like pulls my hair and then i'm like fine delete but other than that, he's like the most docile, like puts up with anything cat, except he's a little bit of a literary critic. Like, wow. You know. Look at that. Yeah. Now, do does Rosie and Sherlock have any impact on your writing? Are they helpful like Jenna's cat or are they a distraction? They um, Sherlock will come in while I'm working if she's hungry because I write in the kitchen. Um, but Rosie couldn't care less. She's, she's actually become my mom's cat and Sherlock is my cat. Um, now the cat I had before that we lost a few years ago, Snickers, she had to be with me wherever I was. 
And I, I missed that because if I was writing on my laptop, she was either on the laptop or she was, you know, stretched out on my writing table. She was very much a presence. In fact, there's a picture of her on my website. This is, I miss my little editor. Um, I don't know whether or not she uh, went to the uh, lengths that yours did, Jenna, but um, she might have internally, but she, she kept it to herself. That's a sweet story. Yeah. Yeah. She was a sweet animal. She really was. Just now I just want to sit here. That was sweet. (laughs) (laughs) So just to turn back to your writing, you have more than 40 stories under your belt. Some as novels, some as things like that. How do you keep creating engaging characters and engaging stories? Like where do the ideas keep coming from? They're like, you know, like a well and you just keep you know, um, I don't know if I have the answer to that. I, you know, find a way to market it and make a fortune. <laughs> but um, I think a lot of it comes from my TV viewing because a lot of times I get so irritated with the shows. I'm like, I could do so much better with that character. And then I just spin it off into my own idea. I'm like, oh, well, I could do something like that. And that's usually where it comes from. But um, yeah, I don't know. For, so far, the ideas still come. In fact, I, I was. Um, I've been working on new proposals to send to my editor and um, come up with, I think, four new series ideas. And each series has four to seven books. And I know what all of the stories are and they're in my head. And I, I do not know. I don't know. It I'm feels- though, Cause I always have something to write. Whether or not I can write is another story. Uh, <laughs> let's face it, the last couple of years haven't been easy for, for creativity but um i'm grateful that the stories are always there wherever they come from you know i'll thank my grandmother maybe she's sending Uh, i always feel a little guilty asking authors that question because uh you know i you know you should ask an author that question but when i'm asked that question i'm like i don't know like (laughs) uh it's a hard question to answer and you can i can always find like with a story I can be like okay that story was triggered by like a meme I saw or that story was but stories in general I'm like um I don't know exactly yeah I, I can tell you where a lot of a lot of the uh genesis of a lot of my stories like uh, more than a lawman which was my first harlequin romantic suspense what oh my gosh five six years ago but um my heroine the book opens with her being chained to the ceiling of a meat locker and she's been left for dead. Um, she, got on, she got on a killer's nerves and he decided to lock her in a meat locker. But that the idea for the opening of that story, and that's really all the story was originally, I had written it as an, a writing exercise. The idea came from an episode of Criminal Minds that I was watching and the killer would uh, hang his victims from chains from the ceiling and he put it on the internet. And I'm like, well, that interesting which shows you how much tv i really do watch and how disturbing those shows are but um literally anything i see here or uh think about it, it'll it'll trigger some kind of story idea i've got post-its stacked like this with story scribbles on it just for you know one sentence idea i've got files of ideas so i can write forever or i can get story forever whether or not I'll be able to write forever, we'll see. There's something special about being a writer. I, we were interviewing someone a couple weeks ago, and I, I think they were um, a thriller author or a crime author. But just the way like um, an author's mind works, 
Um, this person's like, you know, you right, you walk down, you see a marsh, you're like, oh, that's pretty. Versus a writer that's like, ah, a body could be hid there. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, exactly. Oh, yeah. I have come up with some really interesting ways to kill people. <laughs> really interesting. Well, and even, I, you know, I'll be going somewhere with my husband and I'll say something. And he's like, what the? And I'm like, I don't know. This is how this brain up here works. Um, it's great for stories, but as general conversation, I come out a little wacky. <laughs> well, it also makes you really difficult or to over watch here. comedy and movies with. Because yeah. I, I've got, you know, I've got like some kind of weird Tourette syndrome where <laughs> I just blurt out, oh, he did it. And my mom will just look at me and she's all, really? We're two minutes into the show. And I'm like, first of all, it's stunt casting. If you put a bigger name as guest star on a TV series they're not usually on, chances are they're going to be the killer. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. That's very but, good to know. Yeah, but you can also, I mean, they give you, I don't know whether they realize that they do this, but the music can clue you in. Oh, hands down. actually is. Hands I mean, it's, 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 it's just, I'm, I'm a nightmare. Have you, ever, have you ever plugged your ears when there's like a scary scene coming? Like, I don't like jumpy things because, but it's the music that actually makes me jump. So if I plug my ears and I watch, I'm able to watch it. But if I don't plug my ears, mm -mm, I'm through the roof or I'm grabbing the person that's with me and that just causes injuries. So. <laughs> It was, it was really interesting. I remember uh, when Buffy the Vampire Slayer was on and they had that one episode where they had no music. It was the episode where her mother dies. There was oh. no music in that episode. And I remember seeing, I, I, whoever the director was, I hope it wasn't you know who, but uh, might have been. Um, they were the episode's about, called uh, The Body. I do yes. know my Buffy trivia. <laughs> I also did an episode with almost no dialogue, which was pretty cool. Right. That was Hush, right? That was yeah. Hush? Yeah. Um, I remember them talking about the fact that they didn't want to tell the audience how to feel because that's what the music does, right? It tells you how you're supposed to be feeling. Mm -hmm. So they, took, they purposely, obviously, didn't put any music in it. And that is one of the most devastating hours of television you will ever watch because you are just all over the place because you're literally feeling what she's feeling and it's not because anybody's telling you to it's because they they gave those characters so much to do in that episode and it's not just Buffy and her sister who are dealing with it it's her friends also um it's just it's it's powerful and it shows the, they the did power that, of writing yes they did that in uh the Baz Luhrmann Romeo and Juliet um from the 90s all I know is that I was in like grade 10 or 11 or 12 and you know oh leo but the scene at the end and this is not a big spoiler it's romeo and juliet they die but spoiler <laughs> alert um uh but there's no music at the at the very end when like juliet's waking up and mm. it's like and you just hear there's like dead silence and you hear her sob and you're like oh mm -hmm. like just that like sob yeah yeah, yeah. <sighs> impactful I want to um, read a quote that's from you. I'm going to okay. quote you. I stopped oh you. I went on your website and I found this <laughs> quote and I thought it was beautiful. Also, um, you love Supernatural. My husband loves Supernatural. You guys can be best friends. But I'm going to read this quote and I just thought it was beautiful. There's something incredible about creating something out of nothing. 
of having a glimmer of an idea transform itself into a story somewhere beyond thought and fingers. That's, yes. Wow. That's beautiful. You did. Sometimes I'm really good. Right. You're like, that's a golden nugget right there. That like, is, I mean, that's, 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 that's what's so great about this profession is it's magic. Mm -hmm. Totally. Writers are magic. Totally. The, the pros of being a writer is you get to create something out of nothing. And mm -hmm. the cons of being a writer is you have to create something out something of nothing. Out of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. Totally true. Totally. Sometimes you're staring at the screen going, I can do whatever I want. And then an hour later, I don't know what no. to do. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I absolutely love that the, the simplicity of words on a piece of paper can evoke or have the power to invoke every single emotion there is you know it's not an action it's not a re like you don't have to get up and do something or watch something you're just simply looking at letters on a piece of paper and you're mm -hmm. feeling all the feels and and i think that's like the coolest thing for me uh, being a writer and talking to all these other writers is that and authors is that we do have that power and we've successfully done it. And, and somebody like you who has 40 stories has successfully done it over and over and over and over, making somebody feel all the feels about romance and kind of putting that picture for their lives, their own lives up there or escaping from their lives. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's, that's it, right? Especially these days, but you know, books, books were the ultimate escape for mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. growing up. Not that I needed to, I had a rather idyllic childhood, but um, it, there's just something awesome about dropping into somebody else's imagination. And that's what you do whenever you pick up a book written by anybody. Yep. Yep. And it's cool. Like from a movie, you know, you, like talking about film is that you have, you have the music that's telling you how to feel what you're feeling. You have the characters that look the way that they look and the costumes or the, the, the scenery. Now, when you read a book, it's your perception too. Right. I remember the first time I read a book that turned into a movie. And when I watched the movie, it was somewhat of how I envisioned it, which is not typically what you see like or hear. And I was like, wow, like I think that the the group of individuals that did put the movie on did a really good job of capturing what the book had from my perspective. Right. So how I envisioned everything turned it out kind of on screen. Now, everybody didn't probably have that, that same experience as me, but I just love that it's, it's still at the end of the day, it's the perception of the reader on how they take the words on the page. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I'll always argue the fact that a movie never ruins the book. The book is the book. The movie is the movie. Yep. The, book, the book was normally written first. And the book is always going to be the book. And the book was never written to be a movie. It was written to be a book. Yeah. So it takes a certain uh, mindset to try to flip something that was meant to be in one medium and put it into another. And I and I do think for the, you know, for the most part, there haven't been a lot of uh, Stephen King's uh, projects that have translated well to film. There are not, not, not many. many. But I can count on one hand the number of ones that I think have been really successful as films. And I think that's because Stephen King is such a master of the word yeah, and yeah. creating the imagery in your own mind that there really isn't oh, any way to, to translate that. that into the screen. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah. Completely. I love, I love what, what we're saying about, you know, your perspective and things. And this is why when I'm teaching, you know, the students are like, oh, we've read this story or we've read this book. I'm like, okay. They're like, so we're done. I'm like, no, mm -hmm. because, you know, a book you read at 10, you get this much. Uh -huh. And then a book, you the same book you read at 20, you're like, what? It's all of this. Or, you know, I've read a book and I've loved it. And then I read another book and I'm like, oh, I feel bad for this book. I'm not going to like it because the one right before it like eviscerated my soul. <laughs> so like, it's like my rebound book and like everything. Of, there's a lot more factors to reading than, oh, no, no, no. There's much more factors to reading than like it's so much of your situation, your, you know, what's going on in your life. And, and that can be impacted on the page and. It's uh, it's an interesting thing to study that, you know, how your reading affects your life and how your life might affect your reading. Yeah. Right? Sure. Yeah. I've definitely That's read good. a book and then been more empathetic to people or, uh -huh. you know, been like, mm, well, I should have, you know, it's an interesting <laughs> thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. What is Miranda laughing about? That I'm nicer to people after I read? Maybe so, I'm nice to people after I have a moment to myself. <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. I think when you have that moment to breathe, like, and I think reading also provides that because it's, you know, there's, it's often, it's not often that you're reading aloud to yourself or to somebody. Um, so it does really give you an opportunity to have that alone time right? He's like, just give me 30 minutes. Give me an hour. Give me a half you in the book. book, whatever it is. I'm just enjoying a book and it's just mm -hmm. me that's doing it. Yeah. 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 I like that. Yeah. Because even if your friend is reading the exact same book, I mean, I love book clubs and getting into fights about like characters, especially if someone like <laughs> loves a character. And like, I, I remember in my early twenties, I started a book club because I'm so hip, but we read Treasure Island Oh, like we hated Jim Hawkins. We were like, love the book, hate the character. If you met him in real life, you'd punch him in the face. Why does he keep running off and screwing everyone over, right? But you get all those debates and stuff and you can, if it's a book you love and oh, it's just a wonderful thing. Right? Absolutely. Anyway, back to Anna. So what is your latest release? Where can people get it? What's coming down the pipe? <laughs> so what's coming down the pike well hold on for that um so uh, my new release that just came out this month actually is building a surprise family and that's book 10 in my butterfly harbor series uh and this features ozzy lakeman as the hero and he's been a recurring character through the entire series so he finally gets his uh his shot at happily ever after with yeah. uh Joe Bertolotti, who turns up in town to take over the construction project. She's actually a, a construction fixer is what I call her. She's Ooh. she's called into difficult, uh, difficult jobs to take over when things have gone awry. And so she's got her hands full and she's also five months pregnant. So oh, she's got a lot going on. Oh, yeah, how does that happen? Mm, I don't know. Anyway, she got dumped by her fiance pretty much. So uh, she's taken it all on herself and she's, she has given up. I mean, she is like, don't even, and she's in construction, but she's like, seriously, get men away from me. And uh, Ozzy turns up and it is just like, oh, she's, she's not, 
she's not happy because she doesn't she doesn't want to let herself go down that road again. And she also happens to be older than him, so it's the first first time I've kind of done a, a age difference flip. So I tried to flip as much as I could on this book. So I like nice. that. it was nice to write Ozzy finally getting his happily ever after. Right? Very nice. Yeah. And getting his happily ever after with somebody who seems like they've been hardened by life a little like that's that's a tough egg to crack sometimes so it's gonna be a nail biter and a page turner with all all the feels hopefully that's what i aim for <laughs> beautiful i'm excited and where can we find this latest release and all of your other books uh so uh i've got buy links to everything up on my website author uh, the heartwarmings are available on Amazon, mostly in Kindle format. Um, and then wherever ebooks are sold, you can usually find the heartwarming books. And then uh, next year I'll have five or six releases, I think. I'm, I'm wow. trying to I'll have, I know I have a January heartwarming, which will be book 11 in the series. And then I'll have uh, a romantic suspense in February, which I'm really excited about because I think it's probably one of the best books I've written. Um, and it's called Prison Break Hostage. And I call it oh, my Grey's oh. Anatomy meets Prison Break. So um, that'll be in February. Um, in the spring, I'll have a new anthology with Kasich Romance and we're going back to Sea Glass Bay. So I'm doing that anthology with uh, Melinda Curtis and Carrie Lynn Webb and Kayla Perrin. And then let's see, April will be the final book in Butterfly Harbor. Oh, so, no. yeah, it's coming to an end. <laughs> and then uh, we'll do another Blackwell series starting in August, and I'll be the launch book for that. And then in November, I'll have another romantic suspense. And then I am also going to have my first single title romantic suspense coming out with Kasich Romance, which is my um, it's going to be a Hollywood series, which I call the Women's Murder Club meets L.A. Confidential. You are busy. No I kidding. Am. Yeah. That's amazing. It makes me very grateful when the words are there. <laughs> right? It's like holy moly, that's 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 a that's a lot of typing and a lot of dedication and a lot of things to celebrate for the the coming year. So It is and I I'm, I'm very I'm very grateful for it. This is the career I always wanted and I'm not going to complain now that I've got it. <laughs> it means we're going to have you back. That's also awesome. what it means. Yay. Yep. Yep, we got to we got to cuz we got to talk about so much more. I feel like we could keep going, you know, how, how to keep all these stories organized in your brain, how you write, do you write one at a time? Like we, we got questions for days to come for the next time. So um, okay. I'm very much looking forward to that, but it was a really great opportunity to get to chit chat with you and get to know you a little bit better one-on-one. -on -one. Again, the romance panels that we've had in the past with you have been fantastic and so much fun, but a little one-on-one -on -one action is, is always a little bit more intimate and romantic, let's say. Yeah, so. romantic, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Really great. Thank you. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us today. We had an absolutely fantastic time and, and we can't wait to have you again. Me too. Thank you. Just before we go, um, a big shout out to our show sponsors. So thank you to Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network. Thank you to Creative Edge Publicity with Mickey Mickelson. And most importantly, thank you to all our viewers and all our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Bye. 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 
Thanks for listening to the Quillening Podcast with your hosts, Jenna Green and Miranda O. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Creative Edge Publicity. Copyright belongs to the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. You can listen to our podcast on soundcloud.com forward slash authors on the air.